0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to B1 Bytes. I'm Leo and I'm joined by our guest Raf, um, who's the data and analytics manager of Mindset Health, a startup that provides hypnotherapy based programs to help unlock the power of your mind. Welcome to the show, Raf. Hi, thanks for having me.
1: Um, it's great to be here.
0: So yeah. to kick us off, would you mind giving us an introduction and telling us a little bit more about yourself?
1: Absolutely. Well, I've worked in uh, health tech businesses for around four or five years now. Uh, I currently work at Minds Health, as you've as you identified. Um, I've um, uh, Before this, I worked at uh, Cultramp, which is an HR uh, tech company. We uh, they aggregate a lot of uh, employee feedback and employee information to give uh, empl- employers uh, the tools they need to help build great workplaces. Uh, and before that, I worked at Movember, the Mustache Not-for-Profit, and uh, HotDoc, uh, which is an online booking platform for patients to help patients communicate more effectively with their uh, doctors. Yeah, I, um, I'm super passionate about uh, health tech, uh, I, I've worked in analytics for a little while as well, and I um, really love really love the space.
0: Right. So, what degree did you do at uni?
1: So I studied uh, commerce, uh, which is very different to what I do now. Um, I write a lot of code now uh, these days, which is quite fun. But uh, I studied uh, yeah studied commerce here at Melbourne Uni. Uh, did it for uh, I majored in economics and fi- and management. <laughs> Almost tripped up there
0: right right so on the topic of kind of the digital health space you said that you've been in that for five years now what do you think initially attracted you or drew you or how did you first end up in that space I've always been super passionate
1: about doing something that aligns with my sense of purpose doing something that will make the world a better place I've uh, in my in my uh, short career I've wavered from here and there kind of trying to figure out what that really looks like what kind of shape and form my passion takes um, but uh, the thing that I think comes, I've always come back to is health. Uh, the reason why uh, is a bit personal. You know, my mom was a doctor and my dad was a software engineer, so it was <laughs> you could kind of say I was born to it, but also it's a great space to be in. Uh, there's a lot of investment. There's a lot of passionate people. There's a lot of people that are in it for the right reasons. So the company that you find there is always the best.
0: Right, um, yeah, so kind of the best of both worlds, I guess, with your parents.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: So, explain to me and explain to our listeners more what are what actually are digital health products.
1: Absolutely. So, uh, in a way, at Mindset, we kind of think ourselves as an online pharmaceutical company. In some ways, uh, we we develop drugs that you can take, but the drug is a hypnotherapy course. Uh, we have quite the same. A lot of the same standards that you apply to it, Uh, we measure a lot of symptoms and we measure a lot of uh, progression of how people are are on, uh, how people engage with the program, and how people adhere to the program. So, um, didn't answer your question. (laughs) No,
0: keep going. It's fine.
1: Um, But no, digital uh, digital health specifically. it is a space, uh, it's essentially a new medium to help people g- improve their health. Uh, a lot of digital health companies aim to provide people uh, online that, uh, some treatments that they would normally go through the doctor to see. So, for example, Mindset Health, we provide a hypnotherapy course, uh, something that uh, you would have to go see a specialist for. Uh, we hope to provide that to many more people uh, all across the world uh, where they can really take on a uh, pro- uh, uh, health program to help their IBS or their menopause or to quit smoking.
0: Right, yep. So at the crux of it, what is actually hypnotherapy? And talk to me about what you know about its efficacy.
1: Absolutely. Uh, it's a great question and a
0: question that I get a
1: bit... Uh, a lot. Um, when I started at Mindset, I was very <laughs> a bit cynical. How we think of it is targeted psychotherapy. Um, a lot of psychotherapy is essentially building a relationship with people and helping them realize and adjust their perceptions. Um, so, for example, if someone has um, menopause, um, which is n- not something that a lot of uni students would have uh, experience with, but uh, when they have menopause, their, temper- their internal temperature seems completely off. Uh, they get incredible hot flashes sometimes, and uh, there's no cure to it. So, uh, hypnotherapy helps people deal with that, uh, the how flash. It provides people with therapy to adjust what they can take and to, when they're go- in the midst of that experience, have the tools to deal with it. So, for example, it might talk about uh, visualization, which is uh, the experience in hypnotherapy where you're drawn, where uh, instead of reacting, when you're in an anxious state, instead of reacting to uh, the stimulus, you, you pause, you stop, and you kind of imagine yourself in a different s- situation. And then when you come back to your present moment, uh, you're in a completely changed mind, ready to deal with the situation at hand.
0: In that sense, would you say that hypnotherapy might be similar to forms of meditation? Or yeah, like there's a
1: lot of overlap with uh, meditation. I guess the, different, the main difference is uh, that hypnotherapy itself is the medium in which cognitive behavioral therapy is transported. Think about uh, a needle, right? You kind of use a needle to inject the drugs into your system. Um, and uh, what hypnotherapy does, it lulls you into, it puts you in a state where you're much more susceptible to, uh, to cognitive behavioral therapy.
0: Um, um, so in that case, for some of our listeners who might not be familiar with cognitive behavioral therapy, can you explain just briefly what that is as well? Absolutely. So cognitive
1: behavioral therapy is therapy that helps you deal with the, um it changes your cognition or your your behavior to thi- your reaction be- uh, to things. Uh, one, a metaphor that I've uh, heard in the past that is really helpful is essentially your emotions is your reaction to stimulus. So for example, if uh, someone comes up to you and threatens to punch you in the face, you might feel angry or you might feel uh, afraid or you might feel uh, scared, um, CBT helps essentially rewire that reaction. So instead of, for example, uh, you know, getting angry when someone approaches you, you might think uh, cognitive behavioral therapy will train you to recognize those patterns and to shift that reaction into something more
0: productive, something that will help you in, uh, deal with the situation in a good way. So yes. explain to me how mindset health kind of links through a digital aspect, hypnotherapy to individual health.
1: Absolutely. So we're actually experimenting with all sorts of mediums and ways. Uh, we had a hack week last week, actually, where we tried VR hypnotherapy, uh, where we invited people to put on VR headsets, sit back, and then literally get transported to the beach <laughs> as part of their ability uh, to try to get them to help quit smoking. Um but right now the main course of pro, the main course is a 6 week program through the app uh, where uh, people are invited to uh, listen to pre-recorded hypnotherapy courses which are developed with uh, specialist hypnotherapists that we work with um, and then essentially as, as part of their 6 week, and then they listen to that on a regular ba- on a daily basis throughout the program we also uh, for example ha- are trying to set up targeted hypnotherapy for for example uh, RBS is something that is triggered when, pe- uh, when um, people when uh, people get anxious about flying, for example. Uh, so you know we have a, a flying toolkit uh, in case some pe- and in case someone is nervous about that situation, they can listen beforehand and then uh, prog- uh, go on their flight worry-free. Worry, worry, um, so all different ways that uh, all different ways in, that we do that. And also we, for example, collect a lot of information and about uh, s- people's symptoms and how they record. Um, we collect a lot of these analytics both for improving the product and for other researchers that we work with.
0: Um, yeah. Right, great. Thank you. So in your eyes, what do you think the future of this digital health space is? And where do you guys plan on taking Mindset Health in the future?
1: Yeah, there's a lot of places where digital health uh, is trying to go into. Oftentimes, uh, in in the health tech field, uh, it's a little bit of a <laughs> little bit of a qualm I have with the health tech. They're miles away from hospitals, uh, but uh, and uh, health professionals who potentially are still using pagers. Um, a lot uh, digital health has the ability to bring those doctors and bring those hospitals along with them. So we're, that's one thing that we're trying to do right now. So we're looking at how we can partner with uh, GPs, with doctors, with hospitals, to uh, potentially take people off their hands, lower the, dem- lower the demand that people have on the health, health services, and instead distribute this extremely low cost uh, health service to millions of people. That's, where, that's what we're trying to get into.
0: Right, so talk to me more about your role specifically. Um, and about analytics at a health tech company. Like, what does that look like? What does your job look like on a day-to-day basis? Yeah, absolutely. Well, today I worked a lot with our symptom data.
1: Essentially, we track a lot of... We, we use a lot of these uh, health scores and health uh, patient questionnaires that are um, developed by researchers to track how people progress with their sim- IBS symptoms or their menopause symptoms, Um Today, I spent a lot of time analyzing those data for efficacy um, and also uh, to report to our investors. Uh, we're looking to raise money soon, so hopefully, so, you know, report telling people that uh, how good the hypnotherapy program is and how efficacious it is, is always important. I think uh, the latest statistic I, I got today was, you know, it decreases overall gastrointestinal symptoms by 82%. Um, uh, also, you know, working a lot with people uh, to kind of to working a lot with product managers to find how we can improve the product. Um, so it's a lot of a lot of uh, retention analytics and subscription analytics uh, to try to kind of diagnose why are people not completing the program and not completing um, and potentially churning early. Uh, so analyzing that and going deep into the numbers and into the feedback. To try to understand what what we can do to improve the product, um, and yeah, that was well I, what I did today. <laughs> nice.
0: So, talking about these numbers, um, tell me a little bit more. Like, do you, about statistics that you guys do have on hypnotherapy or the effectiveness of your programs or your six week programs that you provide? Absolutely. So, um, we do collect. So, we collect uh, um, symptom information
1: using um, what's called the PHQ4, Patient Health Questionnaire for um, uh, symptom uh, of, of IBS. This is a, 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 one of the tools that diagnosticians use to diagnose IBS. And essentially, we collect that, uh, we ask patients to fill out that information at the beginning and uh, every day or weekly, depending on the program, and, and then at the end. So uh, from our data, uh, we, um, you know, we decrease anxiety symptom, uh, symptoms in around 70 to 80 percent of our patients, our program participants. So gastrointestinal symptoms go down by 82 percent. Um, have to improve our nausea. Uh, unfortunately, the nausea only decreases by 40 to 50 percent. So we have to focus on how we can make the program more effective there. But, you know, there's a whole re- heaps of measures uh, and resources that we both use and publish, uh, with in partnership with Monash or Baylor University at,
0: um, in Austri- in America. Right. So, obviously, hypnotherapy is a bit of a debated topic, I guess, amongst society. How do you guys navigate through perhaps the differing views that individuals um, or groups might have? Is it through kind of providing the data and you know giving them statistics that? prove otherwise or how do you guys go about doing that?
1: Yeah well it's an interesting question because and I shouldn't be saying this but you know you can only go so far with the statistics Uh, it's a lot about trust and it's a lot about building the reputation we have a bold vision at Mindset we want to grow to a billion users one day Uh, a um, a bold goal uh, by any standard but uh, to do that we're looking to change how everyone perceives hypnotherapy so to do that we're part of you know we work quite on it, quite constantly with researchers. We look to partner with medical professionals and uh, di- um, uh, dietitians that actually recommend the uh, the the app to their patients, and um, and yeah we 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 also aren't shy about the conditions that we tackle. You know, IBS, menopause, and quitting smoking. They're tough conditions to tackle, and they don't have a cure. You can't get rid of your IBS. Uh, so, uh, thinking about hypnotherapy, you know, looking at what is available to a patient with these conditions, uh, hypnotherapy is often a really uh, one of their only options. Um, so, yeah, so tackling these tough conditions, partnering with uh, partnering with medical practitioners and partnering with par- uh, medical researchers are all these strategies that we use to try to
0: change how the world sees hypnotherapy to hopefully you know, cover you know, fifty conditions one day. Right. So odd question, is there ever been like a success story that kind of has kept you guys going? Like, you know, what are the best aspects of working like a, on a in a digital health um startup? Absolutely. And about the work you do, like tell me something, you know? Yeah. There's some great stories. And um uh, uh we ha-
1: on Slack, we have a public feedback channel where people give us feedback, and going scrolling when you're having a tough day scrolling through that is always a bit of a pick-me-up. Um there's a yeah. There's uh, so many stories of people who uh, you know have are struggling with anxiety or kind of feeling uh, like their IBS are tr- is out of control. Um,
0: helping, uh, looking, um, yeah. There's a lot of stories. Yeah. So in that sense, when things might get rough and might get tough, and kind of being a bit of a startup, like things obviously would get. Ralph at that point in time. So what keeps you going particularly? Like what keeps you connected to the message, connected to your mission, and keeps you motivated for to achieve your goal of one billion users?
1: Yeah. I guess, um, yeah, I think uh, one of the attitudes that our co-founders uh, really do instill is this attitude that, you know, there isn't a condition hard enough, too hard, that we won't tackle. Uh, this belief that you know, you know wh- the people we're helping are people who are really struggling with their illness, people who um, don't really uh, have a plan B uh, for dealing with their menopause. Um, people who, uh, providing people that option, it, it's rewarding, uh, it's rewarding on a daily basis. You kind of, yeah, you know that when you wake up, you kind of are, you, if you're successful that day, you've put, you probably helped uh, 100 people uh, to tackle their IBS.
0: Right. Thank you so much. So now on a more broader spectrum, on a broader level, previously you've mentioned that you've worked at places such as Hot Dog, Culture Amp, and Movember. Tell us what initially drew you to this startup space. And yeah, well, um uh, when
1: I first left uni, I actually started working in government. Right. Um, and this pace between government and startups is chalk and cheese, you know. Uh, I you know, I quite love fast moving people, and you know I quite love that pace that you know things are happening all the time. So you know when I kind of came across Hot Hotdoc and they, they post an ad on Seek, and uh, I saw their video was them talking about how their their recruitment video was talking about how they wanted to change the world, and I was like. Yes, you know, <laughs> why not? Let's do it. Let's try it. Um, and I think that's was something that drew me, uh, this kind of real belief that, you know, why shouldn't I try to tackle ho- the ho- world's hardest problems? You know, why shouldn't I try to solve IBS, <laughs> you, know? Um, in, in sp- you know? In the startup space, you know, the startup space is, you know, it's not all uh, sunshine and rain and uh Flowers every day you know it's it is hard work you know sometimes you're grueling to potentially increase uh, something that only a handful of people will see we don't have the scale of for example google or the government has we can't snap our fingers and you know wish a million dollars of resources in our pocket but it is rewarding in itself uh, uh, you know for for what you have and for what you do and for who you are you all in a startup, you always have an, uh, a sense of possibility and sense of how much impact that you could put how p- uh, potentially have one day.
0: So has there ever been a time when you've been working at one of these startups that you've perhaps doubted yourself or thought like why am I doing this like why is this worth it and how did you pick yourself up from that point in time to you know keep on going and stay in within the space
1: Yeah um it's a cha- yeah of, of course you know uh, there's challenging moments every day you know uh things go don't go your way uh development wise you know you might be working three weeks, four weeks, five weeks, a month, two months, on something that never materializes, right? Or, um, you know, sometimes startups can be very, uh, you know, hiring is very always hard, you know? So, you know, you might be struggling by yourself, (laughs) trying to, what feels like holding back the dam. So, in those times, uh, I think the people at startups are always just A class. they're, you know uh, People who are drawn to startups are always you know, really friendly people. They love to have a beer. They love to kind of talk about their problems. There's never this kind of like snappy back and forth or ooh, you know, pissing territory kind of thing going on at startups. Everyone's always eager for help and always eager to help each other. Uh, so leaning on the people you work with is absolutely crucial in a startup. I would recommend that to everyone.
0: Yeah. So, what would you? What would be your advice to people that want to get into the startup space, or how would kind of how should they go about it? Yeah. Well, you know, learning to code is
1: always an easy one. Uh, you know, every, anyone can do it. I was a commerce student, so if I can do it, you can. Um, uh, but you know, if your, if your interests lie elsewhere, if your interests lie in different places, I would uh, recommend starting small. Uh, normally uh, you know small bit uh, small startups you know they 're born and die in the month uh, in in month in a few months' time but if you if you start small then you always get to ch- uh, get to reserve a sp- space for yourself in a startup that would potentially grow that will grow into a big organization um other than that uh reading is always great and learning uh getting experience uh always valuable um and just you know, but the most important thing I think is just having the right attitude, uh, at a start. Yeah, people. You, every key, every hire is a key hire at a at a small company. So have it, like coming into like w- once you land the interview, coming into the interview, showing that you're on day one, ready to go, keen to join, believe in the mission, is, is super important. Mm, yeah. Well, you know, we're we're definitely uh, we're definitely hiring at Mindset Health. Uh, we're looking to raise Series A soon, which is super exciting. After that, uh we're gonna you know probably grow <laughs> like crazy, uh which is always uh, always a fun time. Uh so yeah, if if anyone's looking, uh, www.mindsethealth.com.au.
0: <laughs> so what's what is series A? I
1: think. So uh startups go through rounds of funding. So normally start a startup goes through a seed round, which is their initial funding. Uh you know. At that time, at that point, you're often two or three people strong, and then you hire maybe your first four, three, four, five, six, seven, and then Series A is the first actual big round of funding. Uh, um, uh, lots of company make it through a seed, um, and then as you, uh, not many companies make it to Series A, and then Series B, C, D, hopefully, and then hopefully one day IPO. <laughs>
0: nice, nice. So, what are some of the challenges? Because you've mentioned that a lot of um, startups don't make it through this up to series A, so what are some of the challenges that you guys have faced, that perhaps maybe made you guys think, oh, I don't know if we're gonna make it, or has it always been smooth sailing?
1: Yeah, we were really lucky, I think, with our seed round. We raised quite a bit. We raised, I think, five million, uh, something like that, in our seed seed round. Wow. Uh, So we were quite lucky to have a a lot of backing. Um, But, you know, Oftentimes, many startups fail during seed because their product market fit is, uh, they never find product market fit, which is essentially the perfect mes- match between what they can provide users and what users need. Um, uh, you know, dream, dream, you know compa- A lot of startups have great plans to build great things, but finding that product market fit is crucial. Uh, I mean, it's the difference between your startup succeeding or dying. Um, Yeah.
0: Nice. So what are some of the tips and tricks that you'd offer our viewers or our listeners or individuals who want to get into the space? What are some kind of tips and tricks to kind of landing roles in startups or, as you said before, if they want to work for the government, like, you know, in the startup space or maybe perhaps more specifically as well in the data analytics space as well? Well, in the analytics space, uh, it's always
1: useful to be able to know a bit of SQL, um, but also... Uh, and you know, uh, honestly a lot of the stu- this stuff you can learn on the job i think in the analytics space you have to be able to uh, listen and a- a- answer the right questions really well if you're looking to land a job be able to being able to uh, you know in an interview founders love to talk <laughs> so let them talk at you let them tell them their dreams tell them their hopes uh, so let uh, and then uh, synthesize that information and, and provide it back to them. You know, oftentimes founders will be blown away by that ability uh, because, um, because <laughs> all their other employees are tired of <laughs> nodding along. Um, yeah, being able to really connect with people, connect with people I think is one of the underappreciated skills
0: in analytics. Nice. So in that sense, what do you think was maybe perhaps a misconception that you held going into this landscape? and maybe a harsh reality that you face like once you were in it like oh Mm. wow
1: yeah the doctors the doctors um doctors and medical professionals are the hardest working people ever you know they're incredibly incredibly intelligent incredibly skilled but oftentimes uh, i believe the system and the technology uh, that is supposed to support them is letting them down uh, you know i was i wasn't joking before about the pager you know? you, <laughs> you will go to if you go to a hospital you will find doctors with pagers wow um uh that kind of lag that kind of two speed track uh health tech is operating at being like pagers for hospitals and vr for uh, health tech that's something that needs to f- be fixed um um so that's one of the biggest surprises
0: What would you say would be some of the key differences between startups and working for the government? Obviously before you said that they were like chalk and cheese, do you mind elaborating on that? Yeah, of course. Um, Well, the government is uh, extremely
1: large and the work you, uh, I guess, the way that I would understand it is small, is focused versus broad, you know? Um, At a government, you know your work is gonna impact millions of people, but in a very focused way. Uh, so, for example, you might work. Uh, one of the projects I was working on in the government was in the Victorian Schools Building uh, Authority, and a lot of what I was doing was uh, monitoring uh, the the uh, construction of new schools, right? So, uh, how do we? Uh, uh, so, I spent months and months focusing on how do we collect this data about new schools? How do we track how these new schools are being built? You know, uh, I contributed a little bit to the overall government vision, uh, but you know. It, it's great because schools are building it all around Victoria. Um, in a startup, I can work with product. I can work with marketing. I can work here. I can work there, doing all the different things. Um, but uh, sometimes, you know, the changes you know, we have thousands uh, of users per uh, per day. The changes we see isn't at that scale at the government. So yeah, so. It's. I guess it's the
0: depends the kind of impact you want to have and uh, what what kind of change you want to see. easing with different like individuals from mar- marketing, um, product development. How is that like on a day to day basis? Yeah, it can feel very chaotic, you know, which is. But you know, I I love it. Uh,
1: you know, people will often come up to my desk and be like, "Hey, Raf, <laughs> how does a customer's lifetime value be affected by this price increase?" Um, and then. 30 minutes later, someone else will pop by my desk and ask me about retention. Um, At startups, things are very fast-paced, so you kind of have to adapt. Uh, It's also good because it's great. It's cool to talk to marketing experts, and it's cool to talk to product experts, and it's cool to talk to developers. So, you know, if you you like learning, if you like being, you know, thrown into the deep end uh, with a lot of different people uh, who do incredibly different things, then that's... Startup's a great environment
0: for that. Right, right. Um, So I think to quickly end off the show, thank you so much for coming on with us. What's maybe more of a cliche generic question, but what's one tip that you would give yourself now, looking back at where you started when you first entered the startup space? Honestly,
1: I would fake it till I make it less, (laughs) to be honest. Uh, I think when I started, I was like, "Oh man, like this is it, Raph? The big leagues? You know, you gotta, you gotta come in and you bust down the door and be an expert and like, and kick ass." But like listening and like actually learning from the people around you is something, I would have would have Wait. saved so much time and effort if I just asked people, "Hey, have you tried this? Or, hey, have you tried that?" Instead of going it alone. I would, I would caution 21-year-old Raph, a little bit of humility, you know, be eager, absolutely, go for it, but uh, learn as well and learn from others.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you so much for joining us on B1 Bytes. Um, yeah, we'll see you next time. Thank you.